Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 347 of The Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. Or perhaps you're listening to this on Monday morning on the commute to work. Whether you're listening to the car, the train, the plane. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Hope all my American listeners out there had a good long week, long weekend. But uh, had a good Thanksgiving. And um, yeah. Uh, we got a little bit of snow here today. I get, you know, it's inevitable. Actually, I'm surprised we haven't had, usually, we, hell, we got snow up to our, you know, we've had snow up to our knees before at this time, but, uh, little, little snow today. I, I, I kept saying, I was really hoping for a brown Christmas this year. Yeah, brown Christmas in Saskatchewan. Yeah, that'll work. That'll happen. Sure. Well, we can, a, a person, a boy can dream, can he? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, folks, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I got some, uh, oh, yes. We got some hockey cards. We're going to open up. Yes, we're going to be chasing Lindros. Some 1990 score pack of that. What's this one? Uh, 93-94 Opeachy Premier. We're going to be opening that too. Yes, like I always say, exciting on a audio podcast to have hockey cards getting open. But uh, sure, why not? Well, I got to say, folks. Oh, yeah. I I got the rubes fired up today. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're all upset with me. Oh yeah, my notifications were full this morning. Oh the uh, was it uh, Chris Letang and his little glove punch to Buffalo? What is it, Krebs or whatever? Oh, it was a right hand for heard from the heavens. Let me tell you. Oh, the amount of crying in my notifications, tremendous. Loved it. Oh yeah, we had lots of guys jump in. We had the punctuation police jump in. Oh yeah, they were all over. We had some Sabres fans. Yeah. You know, where reading comprehension really isn't there. Oh, yeah. I, the best was the flyer guy talking about respect to the game. I said, well, you should probably look into the history of the team that you cover. Oh, the irony. Oh, yeah. Good times, good times. We'll get into that, though. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. But first, obviously, I have to... Oh, that, what's the other... Oh, um, uh, Yuka sent me a list. Oh, I got another list. This one is the 100 toughest players of all time, as voted on by the fans, apparently. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll, I haven't looked at it yet. Well, well I'm going to discover it with you guys, so we'll click on it, and I don't think we need to break down the whole 100. We'll, uh, I'll do it quick anyway, but uh, I, I'm curious. Anytime it's fan voting, that that can always lead to some real real solid picks. So, yeah, we'll you know, those knowledgeable fight fans. So... <laughs> We'll, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, you know, but I get some, I get some, uh, some ribs and some rice waiting upstairs here. So I probably won't talk long today. Where have you heard that before? But, uh, 
obviously I have to begin by say, obviously I said at the start that uh, I remember the Hockey Podcast Network, over 100 shows in the network. I'm on the original content creator side over there with uh, Terry Ryan, who was busy down in Sudbury shooting season three of Shorzy and uh, Joe Lazito at the Coliseum Chronicles. Uh, his latest um, upload is uh, from actually from his old platform, the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Um, Ivan Matulik part one and uh, he uploaded that and uh, he wanted to get that on the network's platform so definitely check that out old school tough guy from the old American League old Halifax days and um, yeah and then of course we have Alec at the 5 for Fighting podcast and his latest episode yeah it's just what everybody wants more me yeah Alec and I discuss hockey documentaries and movies and yeah, tune in and find out. It's a good time. But maybe if you want to skip that one, definitely check out Alec's back catalog. He's got some tremendous interviews. Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, Jason Rushton, uh, Ken Tasker, Kevin Kaminsky, on and on. Check them out. And, uh, oh, on the Black Friday, he's out there pimping his merch. Hit Club Hockey, who can, who is finally shipping to Canada. So I, like I said on social media today, well, shit, I guess I have no more excuses to not order my Five for Fighting t-shirt. So, as soon as I'm done this, I have it here, right here. I got a sticky note to remind me, because if I don't, uh, that's how sad it gets. That's what happens when you get old, folks. If I don't write shit down, I'm forgetting it. And it's not that I would forget it on purpose. I always want to support my friends and buy shirts and hats or whatever they're selling and that type of thing. And... Well, way back when, with when Alec first signed on with the Hit Club Hockey Clothing Company, I tried to order something like the first day that he signed up with them, and uh, they unfortunately didn't ship to Canada. Um, which I got a hold of those guys and said, "Well, that's kind of you know trying to grow your company. It's pretty cheesy. You don't, I mean, I don't want to say overseas. I understand, but you know, I understand that. I would understand that a lot more than like." Canada, like North America, you don't want to ship to Canada. Like, uh, you know, I would, I said, I don't know if that's a very good business model and I would look into it. They said they would. And, uh, well, they did. So now, uh, took a while, but, uh, I think that should definitely, uh, help the cause when you open up your, uh, your shipping lanes. So get your five for fighting merch. I know I've, I've said it for years. I should get merch. I really should, you know, cause there's at least a solid, Six and a half people that would probably buy something. Or maybe I'd have to buy it and send it to them. They might wear it. I mean, if you're like, you know, cleaning out the attic or something, or you're changing the oil in your car, you might want to put something on that you don't mind getting dirty. <laughs> you know, it would make it excellent. It would, well, this one's going to the bin rag, or go to the rag, bin rag. There we go. The rag bin. Easy for you to say. Ah. Uh, but yes, and if you happen to be on social media, oh, I don't know why you would do that to yourself, but if you want to have a good laugh, oh, let me tell you, hockey Twitter or hockey X, oh, tremendous, but uh, just head shaking, but uh, oh yes, I am on Twitter, I'm always going to call it Twitter, but uh, Twitter, Facebook, Fourth Line Voice, as well as on YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,000 fight videos on my channel from all different leagues, so please subscribe to the channel, check out the videos. If you see a video, if you watch a video that you like, hit the thumbs up button. I know it sounds cheesy, but um, 
YouTube loves that shit. They love the engagements and stuff. So it helps in the algorithm. So if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. But not only my YouTube channel, Five for Fighting Podcast, he has a YouTube channel. And my boy Jay out in Iowa, D Skunk. D like the letter skunk like the animal. D Skunk. Uh, he has uploaded the Southern Pro League fights as well. He has older Quad City American Hockey League fights and old UHL fights. Going back like a decade and shit. So definitely some some real classic old school shit. That you're not going to see anywhere else. Believe me, he's the only one that's got them. So check it out. Subs- again, subscribe to his channel. Great stuff on there. And uh, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. And if you're listening to this podcast or Jay or uh, Alex or Joe's or whoever's podcast you're listening to, download, don't stream. That's how we get paid. But also... Um, if you could rate and review the show, uh, that helps in the algorithms. Oh, I'm sure I'm going to have a bunch of folks here that were yelling at me on Twitter that'll, you know, because I told why I said, well, you should just go to my podcast and listen if you want to understand what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sure I'm getting negative reviews left and right here, but, uh, you know, oh, well, what can you do? <laughs> uh, but you're tuning in. Is Granado Burner? Are you listening? Pay attention. You should have come on here, man. Why not? We could have talked. It would have been fun. But it's funny how, you know, you ask these guys, they 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 kind of they they kind of shit talk and everything else, then you kind of go back and forth and I just like, "Well, why don't you come on the podcast and tell me everything that I'm wrong about?" No, I'm not doing that. Well, there you go. So, you should have come on, man. But uh let's get into this. Let's open these hockey cards, all right? We're going to open up the uh the 93-94 premiere first. Um Yeah. Oh, I can hear, I can hear rumbling upstairs. The wife wants to set up the Christmas tree tonight. We got to move the couch and stuff. So that's, that'll be my evening. So I got to record this and get out of here. So, oh, we're hot start. Terry Karkner right on top. Kenny Sutton. Eric Weinrich. Old school. They're, uh, yeah, the gloss, they're sticking together. The gloss. What's this one? Goal scoring leaders, Solani and McGillney. Well, it's a goalie. Stefan Fisse. Keith Jones. Benoit Hogue. Todd Krieger. Merrill Lemieux, league leader. Timu. First team all star. And Felix. Oh, no. There's a guy stuck to Joe Sorella. Felix Potvan. One last card. They're sticking together on me here. Michelle Petit. Underrated toughness, Michelle Petit. You actually, you want to have a good fight? Look up Michelle Petit, Bob Probert. Heck of a tilt when Petit, I believe, is with Vancouver, is he not? Uh, but yeah, solid bout there. All right, here we go, folks. It's the 1990 score. That's right. The Eric Lindros Future Superstar card. I remember this was the hottest card in the hobby back in the day, boy. Everybody was chasing Lindros. So, yeah, we opened up many of the packs. Here we go. Oh, Sergey Makarov. Way back when, Sergey Makarov, as a rookie in Calgary, won me a hockey draft one year. I took him, like, last. Yeah, there, yeah it was 89-90. was uh, in 80 games at 86 points. That's a hell of a pick when it's your last pick. Yeah, it won me the draft. John Tonelli. Guy Carboneau.
Oh, come on. Why are we all sticking together here? I, I guess these cards are over 30 years old, so that's hard to believe, isn't it? Well, Bruce Driver, rookie of Craig Fisher. Oh, Yamir. Yamir Yager, rookie card. Well, there we go. Scott Sissons, Saskatoon Blade Scott Sissons, New York Islander pick. Yeah, sixth overall. Oh, boy. That was a bad one. Yeah. I mean, I watched Sissons play. He was a, he was a, he was a decent junior player, but I never I never got it, and I never saw first rounder. That's for sure. Sniper Mario Lemieux, Darren Poopa, Brian Bellows, Mike Krushelniski, Phil Housley, Kirk Muller, Craig Ledwig, Gerard Gallant. There we go. A little toughness at the end. A little maritime toughness. But hey, Yarmir Yager. There we go. Rookie card. How can you go wrong? Yammy. There we go. Well, that like I said, that's always exciting stuff, boy. When you're when you're opening up hockey cards on an audio podcast. But uh, speaking of exciting, my week on the internet, which really wasn't much until I uh, I logged on to Twitter, and um, oh boy, it uh, the the notifications uh, came hot and heavy um, last night in the Pittsburgh Buffalo game. Um, apparently, well, according to this clip here, uh, Sportsnet has the little clip. Uh, there's a little scrum and Chris Letang and, uh, uh, Peyton Krebs, is that his name? Peyton Krebs, um, get into it a little bit and, uh, they go down on the ice and as the, and they got the glove, everyone's got their gloves on and their, but their helmets are off, but, uh, their gloves are off. And anyway, Letang punches them, a glove punch, this half-assed. It's almost like a thumb in the nose, pretty much. Punch it all. They have the clip on Sportsnet, and oh, it's it's the end of the world. Oh, it was a right hand from the heavens, apparently. Yeah, it was a real a real Tony Twist like right hand, according to some of these people. Oh, and I was reading the comments, and I was just laughing. Oh, here I'll uh, here let let's cl- we'll open it up here. Yo, know, of course, hitting someone with a glove on is bush league. Oh, Latang is a bum. Um, I want to sympathize with Latang as he is returning to the game after two strokes, but there is a line. Krebs is down, his helmet is off, and Latang belts him with a glove. Bush League move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he must have done something. Latang usually isn't like that. Well, you know what, Hannibal? You are correct. I laugh how everybody just acts like this shit just falls out of the sky. Like, what do you mean? I don't know why he would do that. There is no reason for that. Oh, love Tanger, but this is Bush League. Oh, everything's Bush League last night. Someone did that to him when he was on the ground and unable to defend himself. I'd be pissed off. He should know better. Especially with his own history of concussions and strokes. Come on, Tanger. Be better. Oh, yeah, Tanger. Be better. Yeah, because I love this whole... Everyone's just... Oh, concussions. Are I could tell you a stiff breeze would be harder than that. Yeah. Oh, that should be an ejection and a suspension. Oh, we're going to suspend for glove punches now. Uh, oh, yeah, another reason why I just absolutely hate the pens and Latang. But the league loves the pens, so there'll be no finer, no suspension, and no disciplinary action. Again, folks, this is for a gloved punch in the face. A half-assed one at that. Yeah. Oh, Bush League, yeah. Sounds about right for Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the the Pens fans on here defending this, their Bush League. Oh, yeah, because now you got to have the fan battle now, right? Oh, of course, you have to have, like, Pens fans versus the Sabres fans. Like, like you're all aren't a bunch of dorks. Like, oh. So I comment, I just put, the level of crying in the comment section is tremendous. New Age hockey fans are not only soccer in the Disney matinee, but utterly clueless as well. But you keep yelling old-time hockey, you fucking crybabies. Again, going back to what I always say, all these people, they love to yell old-time hockey until old-time hockey happens. Or just any kind of rough. If As long as, unless it's to their team, then all of a sudden, holy shit, we're ready to... You know, they're tweeting at player safety and we're yelling for suspensions. Like, you really think a half-assed gloved punch should be as suspension-worthy? That's where we're at right now with some of these folks. But, oh, yeah. So, and, uh, what? I don't think it's a big deal, but you don't punch someone when they're down. So, you don't know. I So, I don't know what the utterly clueless thing is about. Uh... And I just kite back, why don't you hit them when they're down? Like, you know, who gives a shit? And then, of course, Chris. Chris and I did have a respectful back and forth. He's a former player, former tough guy, too, in the junior A. But, of course, he says, oh, it's the code. That's it. Simple. Which I replied back, kind of smart-ass, actually. But I put a bunch, like Wendell Clark, Marty, Coaster, Dave Brown, pictures of them grounding and pounding people. And I'm like, oh, the oh yes, the code, everyone's favorite fairy tale. Um, and this guy replied, you think the team just lets this slide and didn't get, and didn't get them back the same game or the next? I don't think it's a big deal, but if someone challenges them this game or next game they play, he should answer the bell. Well, okay, but if Krebs is, who's answering the, like, who's going to make him answer the bell? Like, it's Chris Letang. You know, like, I'm not saying he shouldn't, but why can't Krebs do it? Like... You know, but again, when somebody said like, what, like, maybe it's payback. Well, yeah, it's for Krebs running him in the preseason. And that's who Crosby ended up coming in and fighting. So they have a history. Now you could sit there and say, well, he didn't really run him in the preseason. He didn't really, he just knocked him over, whatever. You're right. But Latang clearly thinks it was, he ran him. Uh, who knows? Maybe they've had shit going on for the last bunch of games or this guy's yapping or shit's going on. But I mean, obviously there's a history there. You know, it's, I mean, you can cry to me about a tanger all you want. How dirty he is, you know, but seriously, you think Chris Tang's just going to just throwing glove punches at anybody now. Like, no, clearly there's a history there. Like, like again, I always laugh at these people that act like it just, Oh, out of nowhere. I don't know. He just snapped for some reason. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, you know, but, oh yeah, but I could tell you my notifications were just full. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you're a loser. He took a shot at a guy in the ground with his gloves still on. You're the one who should cry more. That was old uh, Donnie Granado's burner here. Well, I'm a loser, I guess. Um, you know, and we, we went back and forth. Um, okay. I mean, like all these guys, and then they didn't, they didn't know what I meant, or they, I'm assuming a lot of them perceived that I'm a Penguins fan. And I could care less about any of this. I'm just laughing at the fact that, 
anyone is upset by this. The fact that there's even a video going around online of a glove punch in a scrum, to me, is hilarious. And that all these clowns are crying and yelling about suspensions and Bush League and code and, and oh my god, are we serious? Like, what are we doing? Like, like I said, New Age fans are soft as shit. You all act like to act like, oh, I, I love the fights, man. Oh yeah, no, when it, uh, when things get intense and, oh yeah, old time hockey. Like, no, you don't. You don't. You're softer than puppy shit. And there is no code. Well, I take that back. There's a code now. It's been brainwashed into fans and, and, and these, this generation of player. Like I said, I said to the guy in here, and I, I know I've said it on here a thousand times, but some guy writes a book in the 2005 or whatever, and all of a sudden it becomes just gospel since the beginning of hockey that there's this mythical code of all this checklist that you don't do and no respectable fights and you don't punch a guy when he's down. What? So when did you start watching hockey? This is what I... Are you... Seriously? Because clearly you never watched 70s, 80s, or 90s shit. If you're telling me all about you don't hit guys when they're down and everything else. Like, no, you again, you've been brainwashed into this code shit. And I love these older players when they talk about it. It's like revisionist history. It's like, like I said, I got about a million deep fight DVDs behind me that says otherwise. But they're like, oh no, you always respected your opponents. No, you didn't. And like I said, I got flyer guy here, Mr. Mister Media Personality. That um, anybody that has media personality in their profile is, uh, yeah, but whatever. Um, hey, oh, you got it ass backwards, man. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Because he goes, oh, you have to respect your opponent. I'm like, no, you don't. Why would you respect your opponent? Who gives a shit? Now, that's why you're ass backwards. Oh, yeah. Should, so should he have helped him up and asked for and got him some milk and cookies? Why? Why do I have respect for this person? After they've run me, stick me, we're having we're having a battle here. We're pissed off. It's an it's an intense game, and you and you're mad at him, so you punch him. Who gives a shit? But I'm laughing. Coming from a flyer guy, this is really rich. Like I said, there, Jim. Maybe you should look into the history of the team that you uh, that you have a show on. Look into that. Oh, the respect factor. Yeah, it was huge with the Broad Street Bullies. They were all about respect. Fuck. Oh, the irony. You know, but I always laugh at these people. So then their other comeback to me is, oh, you're the one crying. I'm not crying. I'm laughing at you dorks. It's Twitter. Who gives a shit? Like, who gives a shit about any of this? When I called you nerd, did that strike a chord with you then, maybe? Like, I, oh, he's talking about me. Like, oh, I guess so. If you're that butthurt over a glove pot. Yeah, that's who I am talking to then, is you. Oh, it's just embarrassing. That's that's all it is. I'm sitting here laughing at you guys. And like I said, oh, you've given me content for the show. But what are we doing? But like I said, you're the same guy. Love to, you're the same people. Love to yell about old-time hockey and the fights and everything else. And oh, yeah. Until it actually happens. And then somebody else, hey, bud, that's not old-time hockey. Where the fuck did I say it was? Like, again, reading comprehension. If you're going to troll, figure it out. That's all I'm saying. And, of course, always Sabres fan, number one or something in his thing. Or fucking name followed by 72 different numbers. Oh, yeah, we're going to take you seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're engaging, blah, blah, blah. You're engaging with me. I don't follow you. You don't follow me. So I don't care what you have to say. I, I just, I'm just making fun of it. You're the one who replied to me. So I'm replying back and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you're just engaged much. Yeah, you're getting that mad. Hey, did I get you going? No, you didn't. You're, you tweeted something at me. So I'm replying to you. That's how this works. But I, I'm not the one that went and looked for it. I don't follow you. It wasn't your post that I replied to. It was Sportsnet's. So you're the one trolling me. But you made a statement or asked a question. So I'm responding. And then, oh, I love that one. It, you can always tell when they have nothing. When all of a sudden they start talking about your punctuation. Like all of a sudden, I'm, it's a fucking thesis I'm handing in. Yeah, well, it's 280 characters. So I'm trying to squeeze everything in. I could really give a fuck about commas and periods, to be honest. <coughs> <clears throat> but read what I put. You can read it. You can. It's all spelt correctly. I didn't put the comma in the proper place, though. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what you're coming at me with is the punctuation, please. Okay. But I don't get it. Oh, I, I guess so. I don't get it. Oh yeah. So like I told the guy, I said, "Well, then what? What do you have to say? What What is your point?" No, you're just a fucking loser. Oh, okay. Good one. Yeah. Oh, you're the one that doesn't get it, bro. Uh, I, I guess you, you got me like, oh, and once again, oh, it's Saber's boy. It's all these fanboys. Cause I, I guess they think I'm a Penguins fan, I guess. Oh yeah. Like then the one guy I'm talking about, there's no code. So let me, well, so I'm just trying to figure out what side of the argument are you on? Like fucking read my, scroll my profile. Dumb shit. You'll figure out immediately. What side of the aisle I'm on. Read what I wrote. Read the replies that I'm leaving in there with other people. And you don't know what side I'm on. Again, but you're the punctuation police guy. Oh yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, you're never going to figure it out if you can't by now. Like, no, you're just trolling. Oh, I happen to think you don't punch people when they're down. Oh, well, good for you. Let me guess, you're probably about 21 years old. You've never actually seen hockey played properly. Or top, you've never seen tough hockey played properly. But you're going to tell me all about the code. Yeah, well, sure enough, the next tweet, there's a code. Oh, of course there is. Yeah, the code, the code, the code. That's all you fucking nerds can talk about is the code. None of you know what it is. None of you know what an enforcer is. You've never seen one. You've never seen a goon as much as you cry about it. It's like in the SPHL fans group. Oh, all they do is cry about goons. You've never seen a goon. But trust me, you've never seen one. 2023, no. None of these guys are goons. They don't have it in them. They don't. No. But yeah. You've, you've watched hockey for about 10 years, but they punched your favoritists, so they're goons. Okay. No. But it's been a while. It's been a while on old X here that I've had all the fanboys and girls crying to me in my notifications because, oh, I don't get it. Yeah, I love the one. Oh, you must be a Pens fan. No, what is it? Scumberg. Yeah, oh, I, I guess so. Yeah, that's what you get with Penguins fans. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, have you seen the Sabres fans crying in here? Oh, yeah. But I love when they break it down to fan bases. No, the fucking us and we crowd. You're all a bunch of fucking nerds. Every one of you. Fucking nerds. 
Yeah, but I love it. Oh, yeah, you're the one that's mad, bro. Nah, I'm not, though. I'm laughing at you over here. Believe me. So, Like I said to the guy, it's Twitter, man. Who gives a fuck? But these people do. They get so worked up. Yeah, well, the one guy, he doesn't figure, he can't figure it out. I'm, I'm putting you on mute. Oh, I don't even know who you are, so go ahead. How about I just block you? They're a media personality. You know, he's a scout. I love that one. Oh, there's so many scouts. What do you, you're scouting from your couch, eh? Oh, yeah. You're going to tell me all about it, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me all about scouting and your big media personality. Fuck, dude, I get paid for this. And you know what? In the past, I actually got paid to scout, too. I actually made some money doing that shit. Do you? You know? Other, or do you get to submit your bill for, uh, internet, uh, the AH, internet, AHL internet? Do you get to submit your bill to someone and they pay you? Is that your scouting? Fuck. Scout. I love that one. Yeah, sure you are. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that the teams, the NHL teams are just leaning heavily on your recommendations. Uh, fuck. But I'm the one who has it asked backwards and doesn't get it right on. Sure. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, anyway. Uh, well, maybe we should... Uh, I, I got to do the sponsor thing because this is how I actually get paid for this shit. But when we get back, uh, let's do the top 100. Let's check in this. Top 100. 100, man. I dropped my pen. Here we go. Uh, the top 100 fighters of all time. This should be interesting. we we'll be right back. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Yeah, guys, crazy season so far. Backups are now playing the backups and... Oh, what what a what a wild season this this year has been! Uh, get in on all the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers could score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER or visit www.sot1800gambler.net In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resorts in Kansas City, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, you go. Let's see what we got here. The all-time most feared fighters in the NHL, and it's on Ranker, and you can vote. Apparently, it was updated updated September second, twenty twenty-two. Fifty-eight thousand votes. All right. So here we go. Fighting has always been part of the NHL for as long as the league has existed. Considering this, that there's a great deal of fans out there who watch hockey just to see the best fighters in the NHL, NHL really go at it. Now I got the hiccups. 
Call them hockey goons if you dare. Enforcer-type skaters are often the most popular players on their respective teams, both with fans and teammates. With that in mind, who are the all-time most feared fighters in the NHL? Check out the list of the top NHL fighters below and vote up the ones you fear most. You can also add who didn't make the list. Okay, well, I already I cheated and I saw who number one is. I was kind of hoping they'd go the other way, but... Oh, just pardon me. It's the all-time most feared fighters in the NHL. Oh, sorry, I said uh, I thought Yuka. What'd you write here? Top hundred most feared fighters list. Okay, well you said top hundred, but this just says all-time fighters list. You're throwing me off here. Okay, but let's scroll down. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna scroll, 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 scroll all the way to the bottom. We're gonna go work our way up. Oh, we're still going. Okay. Well, 63 actually. We're at that. That's the bottom of the page. Sixty-three. We, uh, we're off to a good start here, but holy shit, sixty-three. So we're gonna go sixty-three here, folks. Well, this could be a, well, this could be a hell of a long episode here. It's thirty minute. We're at the thirty-minute mark. Well, I'm not going to um, uh, dwell on every guy, but uh, you know, we'll we'll throw out some. Uh, I mean, I'll r- rattle off the 63 names, but they got little write-ups underneath each one. We don't have to do them all, but well, the funny ones we will, starting at number 63. So again, folks, this is the best NHL fighters of all time, voted on by like 58,000 folks here. You know, I'm sure they were all just knowledgeable hockey and fight fans. You know, all these knowledgeable fans, the us and we crowd, I'm sure, got in here and voted. They know old-time hockey. So let's let's get <laughs> number sixty-three. I I I can't I had him at sixty-five on my own list, but ah, oh, you know, sixty-three, okay. <laughs> Brad Marchand. Oh, I love it. Uh professional left. We currently plays for the Bruins. Marchand selected by the Bruins third round. During his time at Boss, he won the Stanley Cup, uh, All Star Game, played major junior in the Quebec Junior League. Okay, well that's it. But there we go. We're off to a hot start. Brad Marchand. 63 most feared fighter in the NHL history. Brad Marchand. All right. Number 62. Ryan White. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's currently an undersecretary. Recently played the Manitoba Moose. Previously played in the NHL for the Canadians, Flyers, Coyotes, and Wild. All right. Well, he's, oh, we're just sort of giving bio write-ups. Ryan, I can honestly sit here and say as... I don't think I've ever seen, I'm not knocking the guy, whatever. I, I don't have anything for again. I'm, I, I can honestly say, I don't think I ever remember a, I don't remember a Ryan White fight in my life. It, not saying he didn't, I'm sure he did, but I don't remember one. I don't, nothing stands out to me. So there we go. We're off to a hot start. We got Marchant, Ryan White, uh, 61. Oh, Dino Cicerelli. There we go. Uh, third high, he's, uh, 1200 points in his whole career. Uh, Cicerelli selected the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2010. Um, I, I mean, he was gritty and dirty as shit, and would, but he would stand in front of the net, take abuse. I mean, guy was made of iron, man. Great player. Great player, obviously. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I, I don't remember Dino's sister. I mean, I'm sure he obviously got into a few, but, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Number 60, Danny Gary. Well, there we go. Danny Gary, yes. Um, Mostly notable for the Sabres, 14-year career. Played for the Wings and Oilers. He was a two-time All-Star winger. Scored 50, twice scored 50 goals. Known for a quick wrist shot. Small but yet scrappy and fearless player. Um, if you want to watch a really good Danny Gare fight on my YouTube channel, he fights. He has a really good fight with Stan Jonathan. Um, yeah, Danny Gare was undersized. 
Uh, smaller guy, but great player, great power forward. Solid pick. Now that guy definitely deserves to be on the list. 59, Darcy, and he definitely deserves to be ahead of Darcy Tucker, although I like Darcy Tucker. Um, former Hollywood, actually, I, I thought these write-ups would actually be about like certain fights or incidents and stuff. They really just kind of give his bio. Um, yeah, Darcy Tucker, would, man, go back and look at his stats in the Western League when he played for Kamloops on those outstanding Blazer teams. Oh. But yeah, I was always a fan of Tucker. I mean, you know, with Montreal, Toronto, Tampa, Colorado. I mean, had a great career. Would run around fearless. Uh, smaller guy. But he got into some great fights. Tucker had some good tilts. Um, yeah, I'm down with Darcy Tucker. Now, you know, is, <laughs> was he a feared fighter? Should he be on this list? No. But uh, but I'm, I like him. I'm down with him. 58, Mike Brown. Uh, it's the, uh, the Euler one, not the uh, Vancouver first round. First round, Mike Brown from Western Hockey League. This is uh, Mike Brown, the other one, the smaller one. Um, he was at Ice Wars 3 this year. Um, I always, I was a big fan of Mike Brown. He'd fight wide open. Um, you know, no offense to Mike Brown. Uh, <laughs> would I put him on this list? No. But uh, he was a fun fighter. I liked him. He was cool. 57, Dan Carcillo. All right. Um, not, uh, you know, whatever. I, I mean, he fought. I mean, you can't say he didn't fight. Um Ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't have too much good to say about Dan Carcillo, so, um, on a personal level, um, so, whatever. But, again, no, I would not have him on this list. I Like, I, if somebody said, oh, you gotta come up with whatever, 63, I don't know where we got this number 63 from, but, um, 63 fighters. Uh, no, <laughs> these guys wouldn't be on, none of these guys would be on here. Well, I actually don't even think Danny Gare would make my... No, I don't think he would make my 63. Although he would before the rest of these guys. But yeah, Carcillo 57. 56, Sean Antosky. I like Sean, again, I like Sean Antosky. First round pick by the Canucks. Um, actually was a really solid OHL player. Um, actually, again, going back to the IHL couple, uh, episodes that we've had, uh, Antosky is pretty solid in the IHL in Milwaukee. Um, you know, big guy, again, it was in that, oh, it was speaking of the uh, Chasing Lindros, the 1990 score packs. I mean, he was, uh, that was his draft year. Um, what a draft year, man. Holy, like Owen Nolan, Primo, Yager, Ricci, you know, all those guys, Brad May, Broder, like all those guys were in the first round, including Antosky. Um, uh, everyone was chasing Probert back then. Everybody, every team was looking for the next Probert. And, uh, you know, and Todd, it just didn't pan out. He played a while in the NHL. I don't know how many games. I'd probably say he probably had 100, 200 career, or 200-ish career games. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I wouldn't have him on this list. But, I mean, he's certainly tougher than the other guys that we've talked about so far. Uh, 55, Paul Bissonette. Oh, biz nasty. There you go. Um, yeah, again, um, I think Bissonette, I've always said this about Bissonette. I give him complete credit for turning himself into an NHL player, for recognizing what he needed to do to make the NHL. Um, Bissonette was not a big fighter coming out of junior. Um, he was an OHL all-star. He was an East Coast Hockey League all-star. He was a gritty defenseman that would occasionally fight. But he has talked about this. He recognized in Pittsburgh that they didn't have a tough guy. And of course, he had Crosby and all that back then. And well, they still, I guess they still have Crosby. But, you know, young Crosby, a younger team with like Latang and those guys. And Malkin and them, and uh, it was like, well, if I'm going to make the team, I'll, I'll fight because 
they don't have anyone up here that'll fight. And that's what he did. So to, to turn that, and it's, it's not like I'm just, oh, I'm going to be a fighter now. You have to have it in you. Either you have it or you don't have it. And, uh, and again, was he, you know, some big heavyweight and killer in the NHL? No, but he fought everybody. And he got, he was, he wasn't bad. He's a lot better than he gives himself credit for. If you go back and watch some Bissonette fights, he was all right. Um, again, you know, would I have him at 55 all time of fighting in the NHL? Nah, no. But, okay. I don't have a problem with Biz. 54. Darcy Hortichuk. Oh, I love me some Darcy Hortichuk. As I always tell the story, I was there when he was trying out the Saskatoon Blades for the first time. I was at camp with my buddy, uh, who was the owner of the team at the time, uh, his son. I sit at uh, the Herald of Trace Arena watching him. And it's like, who is this like number 77 guy or 78 guy? You know, they're all wearing camp numbers. And he's all, it's Hortichuk from Yorkton. We're going to keep him. He's going to be our new tough guy. And he fought a bunch of times. You know, back then in camp, it was fight, pick your gloves up, keep playing, fight, pick your gloves up, keep playing. Like, uh, and he fought all afternoon and, uh, could skate, hit like a truck. And he carried it on to, I don't know how many, 500 NHL games. Started his pro career, his first game in the IHL with the Orlando Solar Bears. And he fights Mel Engelstad in one of the greatest fights of all time. Uh, hell of a pro debut. And I've been a massive fan of Darcy Ortichuk since the first time I laid eyes on him. <clears throat> so I'm down. 53, Ryan Vandebush. See, now we're talking with this list. Um, yeah, Vandebush, again, another guy, no defense, wide open, did it for a long time. Man, the punishment he, the fights he was in, the fight with him and Kyle Friedrich is probably one of the most vicious hockey fights of all time. Um, he, his fights with Bonvi, not only in the Ontario League, but towards the end of the career when they fought in the American League, and they fight for like two and a half minutes. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, Type in Ryan Vanden, but uh, I mean, the, I would think everybody listening to this show knows who Ryan Vandenbush is. And if you don't, or you just pass, you've heard his name in passing, and I've seen a couple of his fights. Type his name in, you'll get, you know, you'll probably get Carpal Tunnel typing his name in. It's got so many letters. But you just hit Ryan Vandenbush, hit play all, and sit back and watch. Tremendous. Number 52, Barnab- Matthew Barnaby. Yeah, the fact that Barnaby's in front of Hortichuk. Well, maybe Hortichuk. Nah, I wouldn't even put him in front of Hortichuk. But Vandenbush? No. Um, I love Barnaby. He's great. Uh, that Speaking of Christmas, that his book is on my Christmas list. I've talked to a few people who have read Barnaby's new, his, uh, his book, Unfiltered. It's supposed to be really good. Well, you know Barnaby's not going to hold back, right? Um, go back and listen if, for those... Uh, my interview with Y2J, Chris Y2J, fellow fight fan from Buffalo, who was bounced back in the day at the Sabre, and uh, he has some, he tells a very interesting Matthew Barnaby story and uh, when he was bouncing in Buffalo. Uh, so you want to check that one out. But uh, I love Barnaby. Uh, you know, he was a pest and everything else. I laugh when people call him like he was some dirty player. I don't recall Barnaby being dirty. He was annoying. You know, and a shit disturber and yappy and whatever, but I don't remember him being like, oh, Barnaby was some fucking stick swinging piece of shit or anything. Like, no. And he'd fight everybody. Like, Barnaby was fearless. I mean, guys fighting like Grimson and all these guys, like, guys he has no business fighting because he was like a buck 85. But dude was fearless. Barnaby, I'm down with Barnaby. He's cool as shit. What, again, would I have him on this list? No, but he's cool. 51, Steve Durbano. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, nickname The Mental Case. 
He is the all-time leader in penalty minutes per game with 1,100 minutes and 220 games for 5.12 pims per game. Well, there you go. Yeah, Durbano was a first-round pick, um, wore the Spaceballs helmet. Uh, you look at some of those pictures, he looks like a high school janitor from a horror movie. Um, Derby. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a real, you know, tragic story. I know later on in life, he got the drugs and all that nonsense. And, um, wasn't he charged with murder? I think he was charged with murder or got away, whatever. He ended up, I don't know what, no, who am I thinking? I'm thinking of Spinner Spencer. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Durbano. Actually, it was funny. I, Terry Ryan Sr., I asked one time, uh, it was like on the air, you could a- ask Terry Sr. a question, and he played in the OHL against Durbano, and I asked him about Durbano, and oh yeah, he was like, oh, he was nuts, man, and yeah, you never knew what Durbano was going to do. Famously, in the Western, in the WHA, he got into it with Bobby Hall, and he ripped Bobby Hall's uh, uh, hairpiece off in a brawl. Number 50, Adam McQuaid, oh, Darth Quader. Um... One of the Bruins Raiders, known for his physical play, capable fighter, often protecting younger, smaller members. Yeah, a uh, new age guy. Um, I'm not going to sit here and again, because I had stopped watching hockey at that point. Obviously, I know who Adam McQuaid is. I've seen his fights. Big guy. Um, is Adam McQuaid a top 50 fighter of all time? Uh, no, but all right. Number 49, Jerome McGinley. Um, I mean, again, one of the great, what a, a great power forward, Hall of Famer, 50, 500 goals would fight. What do you, what do you looked it up one time? How many fights did he have? It was 80, I think. 80 fights and 500 goals. Um, I know, I, again, if you go to my YouTube channel, I actually have some McGinley Jr. fights when he's in the Western League. Um, and he was fighting tough guys then. Uh, yeah, man. Apparently his kid's a hell of a player in the Western League. Um, yeah, I'm down. I, I've all, I was a big fan of Jerome McGinley. Of course, he was drafted by Dallas. Dra- uh, traded for Joe Newendike. Um, actually, I can't say that was a bad trade because Newendike played really well with Dallas too, and they went on and won the cup that year with him and stuff. So it actually was a fairly even trade, I would say. Um, but yeah, again, luck, great career, huge fan of Jerome. Again, would I have him on this list? No. Number 48, Rick Rippon. Nah, I love me some Rick Rippon. Um, yeah, again, real sad story. Obviously, everybody knows the Rick Rippon story. I don't have to get into that. Um, undersized. Um, actually, I always liked Rippon's fighting style when he put his arm up. I never saw anybody do that. He kind of did this blocking style. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Rick Rippon. He was awesome. I love me some Rick Rippon. Number 47, Jim Schoenfeld. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, old school 70s guy. Uh, what's the one, uh, who does he hit? Is it Cashman? Uh, it's a, it's a big hit in the corner and they actually break through the Zamboni doors and go flying into the runway and they end up fighting in the runway and shit. Go look it up on YouTube. Check it out. Um, Sean Felt. Well, isn't he getting to Kohorski? The ref after when he became a coach and he called Kohorski a fat pig or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sean Felt, old school D-man, tough guy. Um, again, out of, out of, kind of a little out of my wheelhouse. Like, I mean, I've seen some of his fights. I know he uh, had a good fight with Fatio and stuff. And, um, you know, old school guy. Again, I'm not going to sit here and try to claim I'm some Jim Schoenfeld expert. But the, that runway fight is hilarious. Check that out. Number 46, Dale Hunter. Yeah, I mean, great player. 1,000 points. 3,000 minutes. Was he third all time? Um I was never a Dale Hunter fan. Um, he's the guy that you'd want on your team, though. Every, that's what everybody says. You'd want him on your team. But, yeah, he was a great player. Big game hunter, right? Um, but, yeah, 
cheap and shit, but dirty. Um, that's just the way he played, man. I mean, the hit on Turgeon was, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's what everybody talks about. But, um, but yeah, intense player. Had a hundred and some fights. Um, you know, was he the greatest fighter in the world? I certainly wouldn't have him on this list. Um, but he certainly wouldn't back down. He's a scrappy dude and had all a lot of pims. And, yeah, he's one of those guys, man. You go to war with Dale Hunter. We're 45, Bob Plager. Oh, there you go. Uh, two brothers, uh, Bill and Barkley, uh, they all played in the NHL, um, the St. Louis Blues. Um, again, before my time, so I'm not going to sit here and, uh, I mean, I know that they, people talk about the Plager boys and the sandpaper and, you know, sandpaper D and shit like that. So, but I mean, I can't. Oh, he fought this guy, this guy. I had some wins against this guy. I can't do that. Again, I'm discovering this list with you guys. So if you had, if I'd had time and I could research it, then I could give you better answers than this. But I'm just kind of cruising through this. But, uh, yeah. So, but Bob Plager, okay. 44, Battleship Kelly. Oh, there you go. Um, again, not a lot of footage out there, unfortunately, of Battleship Kelly, but really highly thought of. Uh, I know Don Cherry says Battleship Kelly is the toughest guy he ever coached. Um, he coached him in uh, Rochester in the American League. And, uh, of course, he came up in the NHL, um, played with uh, St. Louis and Pittsburgh, Chicago. Um, there are some fights on tape. Um, yeah, man, Battleship Kelly, bad dude. And, uh, like I said, he, uh, I know... Um, Randy Holtz said some really positive things about him. Like I said, I've, I've, everybody that I've read, like the little blurbs about Battleship Kelly and former players that played against them, they all have nothing but like respect for him and certainly comment about how tough he was. So he could definitely be on this list for sure. Number 43, Scott Parker. Well, that guy I do know because I followed him since junior in Kelowna, uh, where he was, I always say Parker was the one of the, was, was, the baddest junior player I ever saw, man, in terms of like fight. He was a killer. Um, first year, just big kid, skinny, figuring it out. The next year, oh, changed his number from three to 44 and it was off to the races. And, uh, the next two years in Kelowna, he laid the beats to people. I've talked to numerous players that played against him. They scared the shit out of guys. And, uh, he went on and had a great NHL career. Often polarizing figure because I think there was some jokers on the message board back then that were, very much Team Parker, and it, it got a lot of people to turn against them for whatever. I, which I was again a hockey fan, which I always thought was ridiculous. Like, who gives a shit what some bozo on a fight board says? But whatever, <laughs> Probert got him. You know, you mentioned Scott Parker in a message group to this day, and somebody inevitably we one of the first couple comments will be, "Oh, Probert!" Like losing to Probert was somehow some big knock against you. Like, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Probert got him. But other than that, who else got him? Not many. And, uh, yeah, played 300 NHL games, won a cup. Uh, unfortunately, battled some head stuff. But he has done some great things off after retirement. He's got Parker's Platoon, uh, which is a, a charity that he started for uh, veterans. And, um, yeah, he does, he's done a lot of charity work. Um, look him up online. Him and his wife are very, and his son are very active in the community. And, uh all-around good dude, Scott Parker. 42, Barry Beck. Yeah, big guy. I mean, I know uh, he uh, was a real high real high draft pick. Uh, was a real skilled guy. I think it was his back. Was he, he had back problems? Um, yeah, I know the stories from him coming out of the Western League. It was the guy who was just a huge, he was just a killer. The guy was huge. He was like 6'4". Like back then, was just massive. Um, yeah, there's some of his fight. Again... 
it's the 70s, right? So this is out of my wheelhouse. I was just in, well, 75, I was in diapers back then, right? But 76, 77. Uh, again, I've seen some of his stuff on YouTube. Um, again, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a Barry Beck expert. Um, I think his, from what I've read from all the old timers and stuff, it's always kind of that coulda, shoulda, woulda, kind of underwhelming, a lot of, battled a lot of injuries. It was kind of the what could have been kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, Barry Beck. I know Don, when he played in Colorado, I know Don Cherry was a huge fan of him, though. Really, he's a huge fan of Barry Beck. 41, Maurice the Rocket Richard. Yeah, I mean, 500 goal. I mean, his temper is legendary. Of course, the famous Richard riot, uh, when he punched out the ref. Um, yeah, had a, had a couple wars with Gordie Howe, from what I understand in the newspaper articles. Again, I, you know, Obviously, I, there's no video, or very. There, if there is, it's very brief. Uh, so I can't sit here and tell you how many fights Richard was in, but I know his um, his rep of being fiery and just really intense and shit. So, and obviously a great player. So, um, I, it's always tough when you have like 40s. Or, I'm like, I'm sure Gordy Howe's on here somewhere. Um, you know, when you have these guys on the list, because it's like they didn't fight like they did in, in like. 80s 90s guys like so i mean richard probably had a few fights a year so it's like you know is he that make him a great it's i always say it's 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 hard to say a guy's a great fighter when he averages a fight a season i'm sure larry robinson's probably on here too and i'm sure chara is too you know well chara is different because he actually did fight a lot but um you know it's hard when you and oh you know you never want to wake him up you know that's always the old timers love to use that one with larry and bobby orange shit you just let sleeping dogs lie like okay you know and they're kind of putting him in the same class as like laroque and you know joey coaster and shit it's like come on like no enforcer would be scared of these guys so like am i like is maurice richard you know really gonna hang with Derek bugard or joey coaster or tony twist uh you know, again, I just said I haven't really seen his fights, but I'm just going to be, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just speculate and say, ah, no. So, but, okay. Number 40, Bob Gasoff. Yeah, it's another guy. There's very limited footage of, um, a huge reputation amongst fans. Um, you know, a lot of people always say, oh, Gasoff could have been one of the best ever. Um, I think, would he have 30, you know, unfortunately his, his life was cut short with, uh, with a motorcycle accident. And what was he, just in his mid-twenties, like at 23, 24. So he only had like 30-some fights in the NHL. So it's really hard to to gauge. And it's like, you know, maybe he could have been if he had, you know, played 10 years or whatever. But um, and unfortunately, the sample size is very limited. So it's one of those what could have been kind of things. Kind of really like Link Gates almost. Um, you know, obviously for different reasons. Well, Link Gates got into a car accident too, right? And... uh so with him, it's all it's the it's the what could have been factor. So um, my my phone is going here, so I'm sure it's probably my wife texting me, telling me to come up and eat uh, eat eat some ribs. So yes, that's what she did do. So I'm going to pause this right now, and I uh, I'm going to come back and talk to you guys in about 45 minutes. All right, I'm back. I got called away for dinner. It was tremendous, by the way. Ribs, rice, uh, salad. Ah, not bad, not bad, I gotta say. All right, well, let's get back to this list. So we just finished gas off at 40. What do we got at 39? Jody Shelley. I love me some Jody Shelley. Uh, solid player, took the long way to get to the, to the NHL, played in the Quebec Junior League. Uh, was an all-star with Halifax, actually. Um, 
then uh, fought his way through the minors, Johnstown, East Coast League, up to the American League. Um, <clears throat> didn't he fight like Probert in his first three fights in the league? I think they all fought the same, fought three times in one game. Um, yeah, and uh, he is now, uh, I believe he's a commentator with the Columbus Blue Jackets, or he does something in hockey anyway. Um, yeah, Jody Shelley's awesome. Um, I'm a big fan of Jody Shelley. 38, Paul Holmgren. Um, played 10 NHL seasons for the Flyers in Minnesota after playing his career move to coaching, served as head coach of the Flyers in Hartford. Later went into management. Holmgren is a resident of Somerset section of Friendship Township, New Jersey, and the Jersey Shore community. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, he is in the Jersey Shore community of Avalon. Okay, well, that's good to know that Paul's uh, in Avalon, New Jersey. Um, solid player. Um, really good player. Um, I believe he, uh, I believe he had an eye injury, I think. Did he not? Um, <clears throat> again, I'm not, uh, completely up to date with all my Paul Holmgren, uh, stats in front of me or anything, but, uh, but big dude could definitely throw down and, uh, you know, was a key member of those flyer teams in the seventies and early eighties. 37, Tim Horton. All right. Uh, he died in a single vehicle at 74 at the age of 44. Uh, played for the Leafs, Rangers, Penguins, Sabres. 2017, Thornton was named one of the 10 greatest NHL players in history. Obviously a successful businessman. Co-founder, obviously, of the Tim Hortons fast food race, restaurant chain. I mean, that's what a lot of younger people know him as. Um, <clears throat> obviously, he... Uh, I don't really know how many how much, how much many videos there are of uh, Tim Horton fights. Um, so, I don't, I've... Uh, I know there's some pictures of him. He's really jacked for the time period. Big workout guy. <coughs> big workout guy and stuff. Um, I don't think he was, I don't think he was an exceptionally big fighter, was he? I don't think so. I don't remember, well, Tim Horton, the conqueror of men. I just know he was really strong. And they, you know, like they're, you know, he's a physical, you know, take the man out again, pin him against the boards guy. Uh, but in terms of his fighting ability, I, you know, I don't, who knows. I don't, I, well, I don't think anybody voting on this knew, you know, but okay, Tim Horton. Uh, he makes a mean, uh, you know, Boston cream, though. I'll give him that. 36, George Peros. All right. Um, I, I liked Peros. Um, he was certainly willing. Um, I never thought Peros was that great of a fighter, though. Um, like, big guys, fight card's awesome. Fought everybody. I'm not knocking him in that way. Um, but just kind of just a bigger dude, uh, smart guy, you know, Ivy League graduate, uh, started his own violent gentleman company. He's the, now he's the head of player safety. He gets a lot of shit for that, but that's a no-win job. I mean, like I said, with these these nerds these days, they wanted a glove punch suspended. So, uh, you know, whatever. Um, uh, Paris is a good interview. He's good in Ice Guardians. Um, oh, he was in Goon, too, the movie as well. Um, I always laugh at it when when I you see old pictures of him when he was at the Kings and he doesn't have the stash. It, it looks weird. Um, I mean, I I like George Peros, um, but you know, I uh, it, but being a college guy, and especially Ivy League and stuff, it wasn't like he was coming out of the gates out of junior or anything with a lot of fighting. Again, another guy that saw what he or understood what he needed to do uh, to make the NHL, and he did that. So full credit for him for that. But would I have him at 36 of all time? No. 35, Brad May. Uh, well, again, going back to the hockey cards he just opened, 1990. Yes, he was Buffalo's first round pick. Yeah, you look at, again, OHL was dominant in the OHL. 
Um, you know, probably, you know, I mean, some will say he, I mean, he played, he played a thousand plus games. So it was, it was a wasted pick. Uh, you get a thousand games of a guy. He's not a wasted pick. Um, I don't, he never blossomed into the scorer that they thought he'd be the power forward that they thought he was going to be Rick Tockett, right? Um, he had a couple, he had an 18 goal year, he had a couple double digit goal seasons, but never could really find a scoring touch in the NHL at a, you know, uh, at a regular type level. But, um, in terms of toughness, shit, yeah, May could throw down. You watch Brad May fight, um, he is hitting to hurt and, uh, he didn't, he didn't get the memo about the code. He didn't read that one. Um, he didn't read that, that email. Um, cause he would, he didn't give a shit. He'd hit a dude when he was down. He'd over the ref. He didn't give a shit. He was fighting mad. It look and it, it shows that he's fighting mad. And, uh, I, Brad May is one of my all time favorite players. I love me some Brad May. Um, 34, Chris Neal. Yeah, another guy. Um, well, and how often do you say that? Drafted by the same team and played his entire, I think he played a thousand games too with the same team. Wow, who can say that nowadays? Um, a staple in Ottawa. I love Chris Neal, physical guy, um, better fighter than I think people give him credit for. A lot of people, especially like Lee fans, they, I mean, I always say like that battle in on uh, between Ottawa and Toronto in those uh, those late nine early two thousand years. I was gonna say late nineties, but those early two thousand years when they were just like killing each other. Neil was like the lone gunman in Ottawa, and he had to stand up to all those guys in Toronto, and he always did. And uh, yeah, Neil's I was I I remember because there's no HL guys, so I never really got a chance to see him, but um, saw him in Grand Rapids that year, and he was awesome in the IHL. Three hundred some minutes, he had a really big fight with Engelstad in Manitoba. Uh, they sold that in Manitoba's guaranteed fight night. They had a big poster of it, big. Uh, I wish I had the newspaper article, but yeah, it's guaranteed fight night. They had Neil and Engelstad in their pictures and the league got mad at them. They had to, cause they said if they don't fight, you get free tickets to the next game or something. And yeah, the league phoned and told them they couldn't do that promo. But, uh, yeah, that's where my first, uh, exposure to Chris Neal was. And he was great. I love Chris Neal. 33, Sean Thornton. Yeah. Again, another guy. Would he play like 600 games in the American League too? Played forever. Uh, fought. His durability is unbelievable because you go back and you look at his fights. Like in the American League, he's fighting 20, 30 times a year in the American League. Then he gets to the NHL, does it again. You know, and it won a couple cups, won one with Anaheim, won one with Boston. Um, yeah, Sean Thornton, he's great. I love Sean Thornton. 32, Basil McRae. Oh, Al's pumped. I know that. Razzle Basil. Um, again, um, you know, uh, there there are some folks out there that aren't a big fan. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on Basil. I, I don't have anything positive or negative. Um, he'd fight everybody. I mean, was he a killer? No. I mean, you know, was he a 32 best fighter in the NHL all time? No. But um, he did it for a long time. Uh, was real salt. Him and Sherla were a real good tag team in Minnesota and Dallas. And, uh, you know, big had a ton of fights. And, um Wore a letter uh, in Dallas, and yeah, he was solid. I mean, you know, he knew his role, and uh, you know, uh, there you go. But Al, Al's swearing at his dashboard right now. <clears throat> Thirty-one, John Scott. Nah. Um, graduate from Michigan Tech. Uh, of course, yeah, he gained prominence because of the All Star Game thing. Um, I. Big guy, um, or huge, um, 
the knock on Scott from a lot of guys that I've heard from fans, from some players, um, actually, he was a, they kind of called him a spot picker. Like they said, you go look at his fight card in the NHL, there are some big names that aren't on there. And, um, you know, um, I know he's got the podcast and stuff now. I've heard some of his, some of his sayings or some of his, uh, like clips and stuff. And, um, I like nothing but respect for him for doing the role and that type of thing. I'm not knocking him as a player again. I'm never going to shit talk a player. Um, I think he, this is just my opinion. I've never sat down and broke bread with him or anything, but some of the reels that I've listened to and some of the audio, um, kind of has an inflated opinion of himself a little bit about his career. Again, he played in the NHL. There's no knocking that, but I mean, you talk, you know, I never lost a fight. Meanwhile, I'm like, well, Justin Johnson rolled you. So we'll start with that one and work our way back. Um, you know, you quit versus Morasti in the American League. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I don't know about the John Scott thing. Uh, I, I always, when I listen to him, you know, obviously a newer age guy played in the late 2000s, uh, or I guess 2010s. Um, he always struck me as a guy that didn't get it, like didn't understand the role. And I always, every time I talk about John Scott, I mean, I know it's the same thing, but I always go back to the, the whole Phil Kessel incident and you listen to Scott describe it and it's like, it's like he didn't get it. Like, uh, you know, and he's like, oh, I, I told Phil, I'm going to jump you here. And I mean, he did it stuff, but I don't think he understood why he was doing it. Like, you know, and it's like, why, and why are you telling him? Like, who gives a shit? Like, but oh, it's the code, you know, it's this code shit. Right. And it's, I don't know. I just, anyway. Yeah. John Scott. Number 30, Milan Lucic. Uh, oh, that'll get a few people riled up. Um, of course, Lucic with his recent, uh, trouble with the law. Um, you know, hopefully that, uh, gets straightened out and, uh, it is not what they say it is. As I always say, I'm going to reserve judgment until it's actually gone through a court of law and there's been charges pressed. I am not, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're guilty until proven innocent on social media these days. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, again, another guy that I've been a fan of since junior, um, you know, had a, has had a lot longer career than I ever thought he would. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lucic. Um, you know, when he was with Boston and, and LA, I think obviously that was like peak years and, you know, he was scoring, hitting, fighting, you know, was he ever the top dog in the league? No. I mean, when he was with Boston, he was a number two behind Thornton. Um, you know, I mean, as, as the league has gone on and it's kind of got filtered out and the role's gone away, he's kind of taken over this, uh, it's almost like this de facto number one. And it's like, you know, and maybe I would, yeah, I'd probably, him or Reeves, I would go with, um, you know, um, but they didn't, they've never fought. So, you know, what can you do? And it probably, the way it's going, I don't, I think his career is over, um, regardless of what happens with the charges. Um, so, but I, you know, had a hell of a run, hell of a career, played it from 18, never played a day in the minors. And, uh, you know, as uh, as far as a player goes, I'm a massive Lucic fan, and uh, he had a hell of a career. 29, Darren McCarty. Yeah, I mean, another guy. Uh, OHL guy, 50-goal guy. Um, 
you know, had a, had a, he's had a kind of a rough, rough go of it, you know, addiction issues and everything else and went bankrupt and all that. But it sounds like he's, uh, he's cleaned up and he's sober and he kind of come out the other end and, uh, on the other side and, uh, he's doing well now. And I think he's involved in wrestling and stuff and he's got his band grinder there. And, um, so yeah, good on, on DMAC. Um, yeah, lefty, tough guy. Um, you know, it was always, uh, was never, you know, the heavyweight. He was always like Robin to someone's Batman, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, what they say, he won the Stanley Cup four times, right? Uh, you know, and, uh, came back and resurrected his career in the minors. And, uh, yeah, I'm down with Darren McCarty. 28, Tim Hunter. Ah, there you go. Another guy, um, played for a long time. He'll always be known for the nose, Tim Hunter. Um, Battle of Alberta. Actually, he owns Semenko in the Battle of Alberta. If you go back and watch those fights, oh, Tim Hunter would tie Semenko up in knots. Um, Hunter was was definitely a grappler. I know he's a big workout guy. I remember on some of the older, like the old 80s videos, I remember them talking about like Tim Hunter was a real weight room guy, which back then not a lot of guys were. Um, but Hunter was was really into it. And uh, you could tell by his fights, he wasn't the biggest guy, but strong because you could watch how he'd tie guys up and... Uh, I was never the most massive Tim Hunter fight fan. Um, always gave props. He had a great fight card, did it forever, was great in Calgary, knew his role and all that. There's no denying that. But, uh, you know, it, he were, he certainly wasn't in the, uh, you know, the, uh, come from the Jeff Audrey school of fighting or anything, but, uh, did it for a long time, was very effective, solid career for sure. So yeah, 16 year playing career. So there you go. 27, Bobby Nystrom. Uh, I'd probably have him a little higher than that, but, uh, Great player, great power forward on those uh, Islander teams. You know, him, Howitt, and Gillies were just the, an amazing trio. Um, I love watching Nystrom fight, just wide open, swinging, and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a, you know, no helmet, yeah, the blonde hair flying the stash. Yeah, I'm down with Bob Nystrom. He's cool as shit. 26, Colt Nor. Yeah, another guy. Watched him in junior with Swift Current here. Drop bombs. It was stick his chin out, go for it, kill or be killed. Um, I, I love Colt Moore. He was great. Yeah. Big puncher. Had some big knockouts, took some sh- few shots. Um, if you want, again, talked about this a few episodes ago. If you want to watch some Colt Moore YouTube, uh, Colt Moore fights, go to my YouTube channel. I have his, a bunch of his Western Hockey League fights. Uh, specifically, look up his fight with Ryan Jordy. Uh, Grant McNeil is another couple good WHL fights. And then look up his American League fight with Josh Gratton. Tremendous when he is in when Colton Orr is in Providence. I remember the shirts that came out. Who needs Bobby when we got Colton? I wish I'd got one of those shirts. Those are pretty sweet. <clears throat> but yeah, Colton Orr, right on. Number twenty-five, Eddie Shore. Yeah, I, well, I know Don Cherry has called Eddie Shore the meanest player in hockey history. Um, you know, pretty well killed, almost killed Ace Bailey uh, with a hit. Um, yeah, I mean, again, we're going back to what was it, 19, like the nineteen twenties, thirties. Um, so it's like, no one's seen him fight. I mean, I don't think there's, if there is, it's a very grainy black and white footage of a fight or two. They didn't fight like they do now. Um, and by all accounts, everybody, yeah, said he's mean as shit and everything else. And so it's like, okay, but I mean, you know, I don't know how anybody can sit there and call him one of the best fighters when you've never seen him fight. All you're going by is revisionist history in a lot of times. And, uh, I'd love to go back. I know Steve, uh, from when Probert was king.com, uh, you know, got on like newspapers.com and really went back to like 
the beginnings of the NHL, like we're talking like 1901, two, threes back then, and has gone up. And um, I had him on my show a while ago, and we talked about like Mean Joe Hall and Red Horner and guys like that going back to when the NHL first began. And he talks about brawls and stick swinging and stuff like that. It's all in the newspapers. Um, and he is, and it's been a while and I know he's continued on his research. So I guarantee he's looked up Eddie cause, and he's a Bruins guy too. So I guarantee he's looked up some Eddie Short stuff. I'll have to get Steve back on the show and we should talk about some more old, uh, some of his findings because he's really, he's a hockey fight historian and he'd have some great stories because I'm sure that obviously the papers would have a lot of Eddie Short stuff. So yeah, I'm going to get Steve on here to talk about that. 24, Rick Tockett. Oh, there you go. The Tockett Rocket. Uh, one of the best power forwards of all time. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I love Rick Tockett. Philadelphia Flyers all-time penalty minute leader. Doing a great job coaching in Vancouver this year, apparently. Um, yeah, fought everybody. Uh, could score 50. Won a couple cups. <sighs> Would more Rick Tockett's awesome. I love Rick Tockett. Uh, 23, Cam Neely. There you go. Another one. Um, I probably have Tockett ahead of Neely in terms of fighting. Uh, but again... Um, I love Cam Neely again, one of my, if not my favorite player of all time, him talking and Clark are kind of like my trio of guys, um, uh, in terms of like air quotes players, um, you know, tough guys, I always kind of count as a separate deal, but, uh, yeah, the old Seabass, uh, love Cam Neely, big hitter. Yeah. Him and talking, I always say like, those guys were fucking hockey players, man. Like you look up the word hockey player, that's, that's it. Score, hit, fight, or play any way you want. And, uh, yeah. Now, again, with these lists, I know I'm kind of speeding through here. I've abandoned the whole principle of where I would have Cam Neely in the all-time list. It's certainly not a 23, and I wouldn't have talked it at 24. But um, I would certainly have them on the list before Brad Marchant and Ryan White. We'll put it that way. But, uh, yeah, we will disregard the numbers at this point. But, um, yeah. 22, Gino Ochik. Rest in peace, Gino. Um uh, well, I know Tony voted for sure. Uh, a hero in Vancouver could have probably back in the day, probably could have run for mayor and won. Um, he was a good enforcer sticking up for Burry and them. Uh, as far as his fighting ability, eh, you, I mean, he was all right. I'm not saying he was terrible. He was all right. He's good. Solid. Good fight card. Um, I've always said the whole, I've never got the whole Chino thing. Um, or I'm not as, I shouldn't say that. That's kind of a stupid way of putting it. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on Gino as other people are. Um, but I get it. And I, and I think you had to be in Vancouver at that time to really understand it and really capture it. It was lightning in a bottle at that time and him and Burray and, um, yeah, just a, a, a fan favorite. It's unfortunate he died so young. Um, you know, or, because what he'd be, what would he have been in his late forties, early fifties? I mean, gotta be about the same age, give or take, as I am. So, uh, I can tell you when you get to an age, people around your age start dying, and or like sport guys you watched on TV and stuff, it kind of it hits a little closer to home. I can tell you, you know. But um, yeah, rest in peace, Gino Ojic. Twenty-one. Oh, here we go. This is the Dano Chara. Ah, fuck. Yeah, like I was. Anybody who's listened to this show for any length of time knows my stance on Chara. Um, how these people 
I, again, it's these new age fans or whatever watching their Bruins homers or whatever. And they just look how big he is and oh, he's got him. And again, am I ever said Chara's a pussy? Well, I've never said that. No, he fought 140 sometimes. He wasn't a pussy. But I always tell anybody, I always ask anybody what <laughs> to get this lofty criteria of, or this, oh, he was one of the best ever. Okay. What heavyweight did he ever beat? To give him this this credentials uh, that he's this killer fighter, and then uh, inevitably the coachy be coachy. Well, yeah, no no knock on David Coachy, but that's not exactly the bar of excellence right there. Uh, plus, Coachy had a broken nose going into that fight. The fact that he even fought him, um, but every time I've always said that, and of course people don't. But if you do, and you're and you're open minded, never put your little fan goggles away or whatever. You go and look up any Zdeno Chara fight versus any heavyweight. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about if you watch numerous fights in a row. The moment the guy goes on offense. Because Chara might start strong and start hitting him. And as soon as the guy kind of writes himself and starts firing back, Chara, air quote, slips. Every time. I did a pl- I did a spotlight, a myth versus reality on this. And I went back and looked up and I watched every Chara fight versus heavyweights in the NHL. And he did it in every fight. He slipped as soon as the guy got on offense every time you don't believe me um, go look go look it up yourself that's no hyperbole so again am i saying he's some pussy punching back no but he should not be anywhere near a great fighters list no great player great fighter new that's what i would say too and, I, and it's not just him but i i think star players there, I've always said, I think star players fighting ability gets exaggerated by people because they're such great players that immediately it's like, well, he's such a great player. He's a great fighter too. Like they always say, oh, Bobby Orr is a real solid fighter too. No, he wasn't. Bobby Orr is a shitty fighter. He'd fight, full credit for that, but you go watch the Bobby Orr fight. Not that there's tons out there, but go watch the videos that are out there. He just tackles guys and then like ground and bounds, you know. So no, he's not some great fighter. But he did fight his own battles. I'll give him that. I'm not, you know, this is some slight to Bobby or he shouldn't have been fighting at all for as good as he was. But this idea, oh, you don't want to piss Bobby off. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm sure Clark Gillies and crew and Battleship Kelly and everybody were just shaking in their boots about Bobby Orr getting mad at him. Give it a rest. Number 20, John Ferguson. Oh, there you go. Um, I know he's often referred to as the original enforcer. Um, really solid player too. Um, yeah, he's exactly what Montreal needed at the time. Nobody pushed, pushed them around when he was there. Uh, could hold his own playing wise. Um, again, is not, is there a lots of John Ferguson fight footage out there? No, there is some though. Um, and yeah, you watch it and it's like, yeah, Jesus, you know, but, um, again, it, it's like anything as time has gone on. I'm sure history has been, there's things that are exaggerated. Um, this idea that, like, oh, Fergie, he never lost. Well, like I said, Steve and, uh, well, both Steves, a lot of those hockey historian guys that have gone back on newspapers.com and really read in and read research and, or done research and read different articles. Yeah, there's articles where people talk about Ferguson losing fights and stuff. Not a lot, but it's, I, at this idea that he never lost and killed everybody and, uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, he was the original enforcer, um, kind of, and, um, he definitely should be honored as such. Number 19, Rob Ray. 
Yeah, another. I'm a huge Rob Ray fan. I know. Again, it's it's in vogue nowadays to shit on him for. He always lost his jersey once they had to stay on. He was no good. Uh, it was actually the other way around. Once his jersey stayed on, he got better because uh, it was his prime years at that point. Um, like there's like a there's like a nine minute TKO video of like Rob Ray TKOs and like the majority of them. I did a breakdown of it. Was it there's like was there like eleven or twelve KT TKOs and like. Nine of them were with his jersey on. So, you know, again, greatly exaggerated that his jersey came off. Yeah, I mean, they made a rule about it. It wasn't just that his jersey came off. There was lots of guys whose jerseys came off, but it was just he was naked underneath. So I was, eh, I could see why the rule got put in. And again, though, at the time, it was about enforcing winning fights and, you know, and, and beating people up. And so you're going to take any advantage necessary. And there was no rule against it at the time. So I don't blame him. He's just a, and he's an undersized guy. He's just trying to make the league and, and, and make a name for himself. So it's like, well, shit, my, if I can get out of my gear, all right, you know, but like I said, when they put the, the Rob Ray rule in, he had to tie down, Pfft. go back and watch Rob Ray fights, man. Later in his career and shit, when he was in his prime in Buffalo, fuck, he kicked ass, man. Like I said, if you're a fight fan, I, how do you, I don't, see, that's just me. I who can't, how do you not like Rob Ray? Like that. Like, I mean, okay, the jersey, I guess, you know, but these are the same guys, oh, Probert, you know, well, well, he's, okay, well, he lost his jersey too, so I don't, again, was he naked underneath? No, but yeah, he also had five inches on Ray, so, um, no, I don't know, as a fight fan, fucking guy was wide open, fought everybody, was entertaining, I mean, goddamn, how do you not like Rob Ray? I don't know, he, I love me some Rob Ray. Number 18, Donald Brashear. I mean, I'd have him a lot higher on this list, but I mean, I know he's the guy. He's polarizing. Everybody loves to hate him. Um, you could for uh, for his prime in his run, you could probably count on one hand how many fights he lost. Now, does he have the most entertaining fighting style? No. Was it as bad as people say it was? No, it wasn't. Um, he, you know, he was strong. He had a way of getting you in close and you get that left going. Um, but he's a big, strong dude, man. And when he controlled you, once he got control of you and could move you where he wanted to move you, then he'd open up and start throwing lefts. And there was, there, well, clearly there wasn't much you could do about it. Um, yeah, it's son of a bitch. Who would have thought in 2023 would be telling? He's still doing it, playing in the LNAH. Just picked up a suspension actually for secondary fight. How do you the LNAH suspending for secondary fights nowadays? Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, 51 years old. He looks good for 51 too. But Brash was just a tough guy. Fought MMA after, um, he's a fighter. You, like I said, you could say what you want about him, but there's no denying how good he was. There isn't. If you're, if you're a rational sane and you watch the videos, it's like, I, you can, like I always say, hate him all you want, but you can't say he sucked. You can't. Not if you want to get taken seriously. He didn't. 17, Tiger Williams. There you go. Penalty, all-time penalty minute leader. Um, yeah, again, great power forward. A lot better player than people give him credit for. Um, yeah, a bunch of 30, 20, 30 goal seasons. Rode a stick after he scored a couple times. Um, fought everybody. Um, yeah, when he was on those Leafs team, man, he would go in and, like, Philadelphia was primed up with all those guys. He didn't back down. Same with Boston. He'd take them all on. And uh, fearless. And, uh, yeah, what can you say about Tiger Williams? Uh, you know, a bit of a grappler wrestler guy. I mean, he wasn't going to open up and go toe to toe with you very often, but, uh, hey, guy answered the bell for 3,000 penalty minutes. So you're going to knock, knock Tiger Williams. 16, Dave Semenko. Um, 
I always, another one of these, I always say with Semenko, one of the best enforcers of all time. Probably not the greatest fight, not the greatest fighter though. Um, was big though, big, he'd big, be big, he'd be big by today's standards, but back then he was huge. Um, I know I did a Dave Semenko special, oh god, I don't know how many episodes ago. It was in the hundred and some. But um, with Luciano, uh, who runs the Dave Semenko fan group. But he's done a lot of research. He's a big, obviously, he's a big Semenko fan. He's done a lot of research. Um, read lots of old newspaper articles. Um, got found old video. Stuff like that. And uh, he was great to have on. He told a lot of Semenko stories. That's a really good book, too. If you can find Dave Semenko's book way back in the day, looking out for number one, read that. It's really good. Um uh, and it, like he brought up, a lot of Semenko's great fights from the WHA and early Oiler years aren't out there. Um, there's lots of articles, and you read, and it's like Semenko's like killing guys in the newspaper articles. Uh, again, it, you know who wrote the article? You could probably take it with a grain of salt, but it is nonetheless. They talk, you know, and there are some pictures of him. You know, oh, this is after he fought Semenko, and the guy's all busted up and shit. Like there is picture pictures of that. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of the, the, and the video that's out there is sort of that, you know, kind of, and there's no denying he had some drinking issues and everything off the ice, which, you know, probably hindered his performance. But I mean, he always had trouble with Hunter and stuff, but, uh, you know, those mid eighties, you know, Semenko was kind of at the end of the road there. And, uh, I think that's what people see. And then they, they see the Hartford in Toronto he's a shell of himself then you know and there's like oh he jumps guys and he sucked well not really I mean that's you can't that's not really fair I I think as fans we never saw the best of Semenko because it's not available on video unless you were there um we never saw it a lot of it and uh there's some stuff out there like he had some really great fights with uh, uh Delorme and stuff but uh you know um but a great enforcer no one fucked around with Gretzky and the Oilers that's for sure number 15 Gordy Howe you know, again, I where's the horse? I'm going to hit it again. I've often talked about Cordy Howe. Again, I think there's a lot of revisionist history there. Um, you know, he literally averaged one fight a year, two fights a year. Um, it was just a different time back then. Uh, they didn't fight like they do now in the 50s and stuff. Um, I, it's interesting. Again, both Steve, Steve Walsh and, and when Probert was king. They Again, they've researched this. They've talked. They've read articles about Cordy Howe. Um, you know, uh, some pro house, some, no, he didn't win this or he didn't win that. Vern Flamin and Reggie Fleming and them say how wasn't that great of a fighter overrated. Um, you read some articles, oh, how kill people. So who really knows? Again, it's not like there's lots of video out there to back up these claims or at the same time, didn't, you know, deny these claims. So, um, I just think anybody that f- averages a fight a season, I don't know about being on the greatest fighter list, but, uh, but certainly, obviously, Mr. Hockey, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. And certainly was not to be messed with. He was dirty as shit. Even his kids would say, a Gordy Howe cross-check should be a goal and assist and a cross-check to the face. A goal and assist and a cross-check to the face. Um, yeah, he was mean as shit. And uh, it was a different time, that's for sure. 14, Chris Nyland. Yeah, Knuckles Nyland. Um, I, whenever we do the top by... Uh, by uh, Rapid fire questions. I always use Nyland as my example for a guy I did a 180 on. Was never a huge Nyland fan until I saw the documentary and then I softened and kind of started watching more videos of him and I got a whole new appreciation for him. Like I said, I always knew he was a tough guy and a solid enforcer with Montreal for sure. Um, there's no denying that. I was, you know, but for some reason I was not a fan of his. I don't know why though. It's like one of those things. I can't say why. I don't know why. But, um, 
yeah, he's uh, he's doing well now. Again, he beat addiction, and he's doing his podcast now, and uh, fought everybody, and tells some great stories. And uh, yeah, Knuckles and Island, man. Thirteen, Wendell Clark. There you go. Right, Saskatoon boys, first overall by the Leafs. Played for the Blades. Was a defenseman for the Blades, if you didn't know. Um, yeah, I love Wendell Clark. A guy went into '85 with the Leafs. Was a teenager running around, hitting everybody, fighting everybody. But he had thirty goals, thirty tilts as a rookie, and. Uh, Huge body checks, and I think he almost killed Bruce Bell behind the net with that hit. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that style of play caught up to him. And, uh, yeah, you uh, it's one of those things you can't play. At 185 pounds and 5'11", you can't play middle linebacker in the NHL. And, unfortunately, he tried. And uh, while it was exciting to watch, it broke him down and, uh, unfortunately, shortened his career. And, uh, you know, we never got to see... The best of Wendell Clark, I don't think. We always saw a broken down version of him or, you know, uh, and you saw it in bursts, how great he was. And, uh, but yeah, once again, though, dude was a hockey player guy. And you, I know people always love to, they really overuse the word warrior and all that, but he was. Number 12, Stan Jonathan. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody all, oh, Pierre Bouchard, you know, I mean, that's what Jonathan's known for. But yeah, it was undersized guy, but tough as shit. Um, was a pit bull man, and um, yeah, just a just oh man, those Bruins teams, yeah, him and Cashman and John, or Jonathan Cashman, Winsick, O'Reilly, uh, Jesus, you know, Secord for a time. It's like you know, co- and then coached by Cherry. It's like man, you know, the lunch pail gang for sure. And Jonathan, solid player too, twenty goal guy. Um, kind of was the original Ty Domi, as they always say, or I guess Ty Domi was a. And they're both played in Peterborough and shit, so and they're both undersized. It's kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, man, Jonathan, badass. Um, you know, I mean, you always see the argument, and it's probably, yeah, you know, I think a lot of Boston fans, they might overhype Jonathan a little bit. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, and I, the Bouchard fights, I know everybody likes to point to it. We were just talking about that the other night. And it's like, I don't know, I think it's kind of an overrate. Like, yeah, he busts him up, and this, like, but they were going even. And then until Jonathan switched to the left, and he broke his nose, right? So, um, but it was on national TV and stuff. So, I mean, it, you know, made the rounds, but you know, everybody talks about like, Oh, Jonathan just destroyed. Well, not really. It was a punch. He broke his nose. I mean, yeah, it was brutal because there's blood everywhere and stuff, but it was like, it wasn't some, you know, huge ass kicking from start to finish or anything. Um, but Bouchard definitely, as they say, probably was not the same from it. Um, but I don't the guy was kind of knocking Bouchard, and I'm like, dude, the guy won how many cups and won and played 600 games? I don't, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we his career is a little more than just a Stan Jonathan fight, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I love Stan Jonathan. Would Cherry say, oh, Stan Jonathan was so tough, I saw him get a 12-stitch cut, and he didn't bleed. <laughs> uh, number 11, Tony Twist. Yeah, man, the Twister, another Saskatoon Blade. Uh, I love Tony Twist. Uh, you know, through them big... Uh, big rights and just threw bombs and he fought like that from junior all the way to his final days in the NHL. Um, the thing that sucks as fight fans that we didn't get to see is that twist got, uh, had a career ending motorcycle injury and, uh, he was actually a free agent that year and was due to sign with Philadelphia. Could you imagine twist in Philadelphia? 
and he was going to be the highest paid enforcer in the league. And you know him coming into Philly at that money, that much money, he would have been revving to go and swinging at everybody. So his fight, I mean, obviously I feel sorry for Twist having his career shortened like that. And suddenly, but as fight fans, we totally got ripped off too. And it would have been awesome to see Twist in Philly. And, uh, but yeah, Tony Twist is awesome, man. Number 10, Terry O'Reilly. Yeah, Taz. Again, great power forward. Captain of the Bruins. Guy was a whirling dervish, man. Up, down, up, down. You know, just spazzing fight style. He really was a Tasmanian devil when he fought. Arms all over the place. And, um, yeah, just type in Terry O'Reilly. Go watch his fights and be entertained as shit. He was awesome. Number nine, George LaRock. Yeah, I mean, I have him usually in my top five of all time. Um, you know, I, I, I always hated the good luck, man. And the big code, he was one of these code fighters, you know, and he, he made it kind of fashionable and everybody thought it was cool. And it's like, no, you're killing your own gimmick, man. Um, but huge dude, left hand, again, you can count on one hand how many fights he lost. Um, one of the best to ever do it in terms of fighting, in terms of how great of an enforcer he was. Yeah, it's hard to say. The problem with George, he was so nice. He really was. And he didn't like fighting, although he claims he hated fighting and all that. But, yeah, George, I know from making your fight tape, he didn't really completely hate it. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't read his book, don't bother. It sucks, though. But, uh, no, George is a tough dude. Obviously, great fighter. Um, the league is probably very lucky that he was a nice guy because there could have been a body bag. Yeah, because George was a bad dude when he, the few times that George did get pissy and wound up, he pummeled guys. And, uh, yeah, so LaRock's a bad dude. You get that size, that strong, and left-handed, good night. Number eight, Stu Grimson. Yeah, another guy, you know, Stu, uh, big Stu, uh, played a long time, smart guy, obviously he became a lawyer after, um, Intelligent dude, uh, great fighter, really, you know, learned the role, came into his own in Chicago, kind of, once he left Chicago, he's big and gangly, and he kind of, his balance was so-so, but once he figured it out and learned to use his length, um, Grimson was as good as anybody. Great fight card, fought everybody. Um, his Hartford, Carolina, Anaheim years, he was unstoppable for a couple years there. He was killing guys. But, uh, yeah, the Grim Reaper, one of the best nicknames of all time, too. Number seven, Derek Bugard. Yeah, I mean, a guy that big, um, you know, unfortunately, rest in peace, um, you know, the tragic, uh, you know, overdose. But, um, yeah, if it's a shame, again, that, it, you know, his career got cut short with the injuries and then, obviously, um, dying young. Um, but his rookie year is probably one of the best years of all time. He was just dropping guys and knocking guys out. And like I said, when you get that big, and I, again, another kid I saw right out of junior, right from junior on. And when he first started in Prince George's staff, he was just really big and he took a beating. Like he was a terrible fighter and just took some shots and some kickings, but he got better, grew into it, accepted the role, perfected the role. In his final year at junior medicine, he's just running because he could always skate pretty good. And you get a big guy like that skating and would hit any, did not give a shit about your code, would run anybody, didn't care. And when you're that big and you learn to use your size, it was scary, man. And when he figured it out and he got to the NHL, killing guys. Bugard was a bad man. Number six, Marty McSorley. Yeah, another guy undrafted, came up right as a teenager with Pittsburgh, 20 years old. 
went on, was one of the, again, when I go back to the enforcer fighter thing, there is a difference. Um, he was a great fighter though, could fight forever. You know, wasn't a huge power guy, wasn't dropping guys left and right, but just stamina, chin, could go forever, would fight everybody's fight card was tremendous. Was a great enforcer. Nobody messed with Gretzky and them. He would cross the line if need be to prove a point. He was what an enforcer was supposed to be. And unfortunately, he'll always be known for the Brashear thing, which is unfortunate. Uh, it was, it was brutal. I mean, I can't, I love Marty, but I can't defend that. Anybody that tries to, you're an idiot. Um, no, I'm not saying, oh, he should have got jail time and three to five and sing sing or anything, but. You know, it was unfortunate. Uh, I always say, though, the problem is he played none of games before that, and people don't talk about that. Won a couple cups, turned himself into a real solid player, was an all-star, led the league in plus-minus one year. <clears throat> solid player, as well as did not take shit. So, yeah, I'm down with Marty. Top five here, Clark Gillies. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, all Hall of Famer, power forward. Um, probably had a long... It's too bad he had a long fuse. Uh, when he decided to fight, he was awesome. Um, you know, his battles with Ben Wilson are hotly contested the second one for sure. But yeah, he would, he fight O'Reilly like four times in the playoffs that year. Um, but him and Nystrom and how, like I said, the, 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 the trio there was just, was, and, uh, and you had Trache and Pot Van to the mix. I mean, that's why the Islanders were a dynasty, man. There you go. Jethro. Number four, Ty Domi. Yeah. I mean, you know, what can you say about Ty Domi? I know when he first came up with the Rangers, I couldn't stand him. Uh, he really started growing on me when he got to Winnipeg though. And, uh, yeah, after that, I became a huge Domi fan, undersized, left-handed, fought everybody, bowling ball head, could take it. I mean, yeah, what, what more is there to say about Ty Domi? Fought everybody, did it forever. Again, another great enforcer though. Stuck up for Solani and those guys and Sundin all those years. I don't, not a lot of people mess with those guys. And Domi was right there and he knew his role and he did it till the day he retired and never stopped. So full credit for Ty Domi. Number three, Dave Schultz. Yeah, I mean, another, the hammer, right? Um, you know, made the Broad Street Bullies fashionable and they won a couple cups and a better player, again, a better player than people give him credit for. Um, yeah, man, he, uh, the hammer, Broad Street Bullies. Love it. Number two, Joey Coaster. Yeah, man. Touch, you know, the hand, uh, who's, and the number one's Bob Probert. So there you go. They got the Brood Brothers at one and two. Um, yeah, Co- I always say after Coaster kind of got out of Probert's shadow and went to New York, that's when he really, you know, I think really took over, made an, not that he didn't have a name for himself in Detroit, because he certainly did. But I think when New York, when he became the number one, um, it really, op- it really opened up a bunch of eyes and, one of the hardest punchers in hockey history. Link Gates said Coaster hit him harder than anybody. So that there, there you go. If Link Gates is saying it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately his hands took the brunt of that. A lot of damage. But uh, imagine Coaster with healthy hands his whole career. Eesh. But yeah, Joey Coaster. And then of course, Probert number one, like I said. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think everybody probably could have figured that one out. Um, you know, uh, I don't know about this list when you got no Dave Brown, no Ben Wilson, uh, you know, and we're talking about Ryan White and Brad Marchant. So, uh, yeah, that that was something voted on by, what did I say, 56,000 people. Um, yeah, that was, that, that was not good. I mean, it got all right at the end there. I mean, obviously the numbers were kind of all jangled up. I mean, I certainly... Uh, wouldn't uh wouldn't have gone with that in that particular order but uh it is what it is but uh 
Anyway, Jesus, an hour and a half we talked? Holy, what what is this for a Sunday episode? Talking too long. Well, I, I we got I got to go set up a Christmas tree. It's like 8 o'clock here, so I got to go. But I want to thank, I always say, uh, I know there's a million hockey, and there seems to be every day another hockey podcast popping up. Um, the fact that you guys chose to listen to this show, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, guys, there we go. It's another another episode, and uh, talk to you on uh, on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 